Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right, now, now concerning Sunday mornings, we're talking about 21 days of prayer. We're focusing on learning how to hear the voice of God in prayer. Uh, Pastor Dale did a wonderful job kicking us off with this last week, talking about uh, the story of the young boy Samuel who'd grow to be a prophet and him learning to hear the voice of God for the very first time. Now, Dale is out of town this morning. He's out doing a wedding. There are baptizing babies all morning long. Weddings are happening. Our church is alive. That's a great thing. So Dale's going to be back with us next week. And he did a great job kicking off for us this series. And he focused it on this prayer here, which is our first prayer for 2024. Maybe should be the prayer for this whole year, which is speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. We learned this from Samuel. In fact, let's all read this out loud all together. Ready? Go. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So we're learning about how to hear the voice of God in prayer, which began to make me think this week. If we're learning how to hear the voice of God, which sounds weird, if you might be new to church or new to faith, like the voice of God, what does that mean? Because if you get, begin to think about it, especially if you take yourself out of the lens of if you've been in a church in a long time, you might kind of grown a little numb to some of those things. If you're new to it, you're like, God has a voice? Well, then if you think about it fresh, you get to think about what does God's voice sound like? And I don't know what God's voice sounds like. Like, what does God's voice sound like? So I went to the source of all wisdom. I went to social media. And I asked social media and all my friends on social media, on my Instagram and on my Facebook, like, hey, what do you think God's voice sounds like? You want to know the number one answer everyone said what God's voice sounds like? It sounds like Morgan Freeman. <laughs> God sounds like Morgan Freeman, straight up. Now, clearly this makes sense because Morgan Freeman has played God multiple times on TV and he's done a good job at it. It's like this smooth, buttery, grandfatherly voice of God. I mean, yes, it's awesome. I would want God to sound like Morgan Freeman if God had a voice like that. Okay, now you want the number two answer for what people said, what does God sound like? God has a voice. God's voice sounds like this. You want to know what it was? You might want to guess. James Earl Jones. Yes, of course. The most iconic voice in Hollywood. This guy has just a masterful, deep, rich voice. Now, of course, it makes sense that James Earl Jones would sound like God, but it depends on what mood God is in. Because depending on the mood, he either sounds like Mufasa or he sounds like Darth Vader. Yeah. Another person that we thought of God's voice might sound like is Liam Neeson. Yeah. Now, for those of you, it might, this makes sense because Liam Neeson voiced Aslan in the movies that were made for the Chronicles of Narnia. Okay, so that makes sense. But also, just like kind of with James Earl Jones, it depends on the mood because he's either Aslan the lion or if you cross his daughter, he has a very particular set of skills. <laughs> you don't want to mess with him. Now, all three of these guys have like deep, rich voices, but I began to think to myself, there's nowhere in the Bible that says that God has a deep, rich voice. I'm like, oh, no. What if God is like a high-pitched, nasally kind of a voice? What if God sounds like Steve Urkel? Oh, no. All right, any of you from the 90s, who can give me their best Steve Urkel impersonation? Do, what? Did I, do Did I do that? 
Wouldn't that be such a downer if that's what came out of the burning bush with Moses? <laughs> That'd be terrible. That'd be horrible. So, you know, it's like, gosh, what does it all sound like? And uh, I think what's interesting is that the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at here today in just a moment doesn't tell us what God's voice sounds like. It tells us what God's voice feels like. And so that's where we're going to start learning today. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're going to open up to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. And since we have a tradition here of standing for the reading of God's Word, I invite you, if you're able, would you please stand? If you're at home, if you're streaming with us online, would you please stand? And uh, this comes again, Luke 24, we're going to start in verse 13. Now if you're new to the Bible, this is the story called The Road to Emmaus. And this is happening on Easter Sunday. This is happening right as Jesus, um, he was crucified on Friday, he died, he was put in a tomb, and on Sunday morning he rose from the dead. And the early Christians and scriptures testify that he appeared to over 500 people after his resurrection. And this is just one of those stories, and it might be the coolest one. So verse 13, now that same day, Easter Sunday, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing them. And he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? I think this is fascinating. Just pause here. Most people think if God's going to speak to you, there's going to be a hole in the clouds and a spotlight from heaven is going to shine on you. And James Earl Jones' voice is going to come out of heaven and call your name. Now, are there examples in the Bible of God doing that? Yes. But more than likely, it's going to be like this when God talks to you. Jesus is going to speak to you in your everyday matters. And it will be so normal, you just might miss it. So he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Oh, well, what things? Jesus is playing dumb. (laughs) What things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And he said to them, How foolish are you, and slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of scripture concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. 
and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, (laughs) were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of God for the people of God. And everyone said, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's just take a moment to pray. Would you bow your heads with me? And let's pray this prayer that we're learning in this series. Take a deep breath. And just pray this with me quietly. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. One more deep breath. We ask this in the name of the risen Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to know where are my dog people at? That's right, my people. I love dogs. One of my favorite dogs, probably my favorite dog on planet Earth right now is my brother's dog, Charlie. And here's a picture of me and Charlie when she was a puppy. I know, this is from two years ago. She's still a puppy at heart, but she's a big girl now. And this is on Christmas Eve uh, when my brother and sister-in-law blessed their daughters with this puppy. It was just a beautiful thing. Um, And I love dogs. I love golden retrievers. I'm a walking golden retriever. I just am. Um, This is my spirit animal. And I I love goldens. Now, what's interesting about just dogs and humans in general is dogs have some amazing abilities that human beings don't have. So, like, they can hear things humans can't hear. For, like, human beings, we can hear about 20,000 hertz. Dogs can hear 65,000 hertz. Human beings, let's consider smell. Human beings can have um, 5 million smell receptors in their nose. Dogs have 20 million smell receptors in their nose. Fascinating, right? This is what makes uh, dogs um, incredible helpers. It makes them wonderful for security, for sniffing at things like bomb threats or drugs or weapons of any type. They're wonderful for that. They're wonderful for um, first responding, and they're wonderful for being a helper and a companion to certain people. I had a friend one time who really struggled with seizures, had a dog who came where the dog could, before there were any symptoms, would sense that a seizure was about to come on their care t- on their owner, and they would give them a signal, and they would take medication before they had a seizure to stop it, all because this dog could sense it coming. Amazing. Now, what's things that dogs can sense that humans can't sense are things that human beings can sense that no animal can sense. Every human being is designed and created with the innate ability to hear the voice of God. It doesn't matter if you're irreligious or disinterested about faith. Maybe you're trying to figure it out. Maybe you've been a devout follower of Christ for decades. It doesn't matter where you are in the spiritual spectrum. Every person is created with the ability to hear and respond to God's voice. Created to have a relational, conversational relationship with the God of the universe. Because all of us, no matter who you are, what you've done, 
what your story is, what you were doing last night before you came here this morning, what you were doing before you decided to stream this or not. It doesn't matter. All of us are made in God's image. And he loves every one of us and wants a relationship with each of us. And we all have the capacity to hear his voice. Even for those of you thinking, well, not me. Yes, even you. Even you. This has been happening all throughout Christian history. People have heard the voice of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. I consider one of the earliest Christians, this is St. Augustine, uh, the guy who, uh, St. Augustine, was named after the city, Augustine of Hippo. Um, he, when he was a young man, was living a hedonistic lifestyle, sex, drugs, and rock and roll in early Rome. And when he came to the very end of his hedonistic lifestyle, you ever come to the end of yourself? When he came to the end of himself, he cried out to God because he was disgusted with himself and knew how lost he was. And he heard a voice that sounded like the voice of a child say, pick up and read. He grabbed the nearest Bible he could find, opened it up to a verse that spoke exactly to his life and his situation, and they say the rest is history. Because of Augustine's life of following Jesus and how Jesus turned his life around from the crazy life he was living, he ended up saving much of Western civilization even as Rome collapsed in his lifetime. Incredible. Any of you ever heard of St. Uh, Francis of Assisi? St. Francis, well, if yeah, if the, the monk in every garden, that's St. Francis, okay? Uh, St. Francis of Assisi, oh, one of the most beautiful lives that I've ever lived, when he was a young man, heard the voice of Jesus call to him and say, rebuild my church, Francis. And at first he thought that meant to renovate the church building that he was worshiping at. God meant way more than that. It wasn't to renovate a building, but to reform the body of Jesus at that time that had become corrupt and lost its way. And because of this man's life, he helped reform the church in that day, and his movement continues to echo on into this day where people are champions for those living on the margins of society because Jesus had a heart for the poor. Because Francis heard a voice. He changed the world. You don't even have to be an ancient saint or a statue in a garden. We have modern-day heroes of faith that we honor and celebrate. This weekend, we celebrate the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., who was a prophetic voice to our nation. You may not have heard this story before, but in 1956, Dr. King, when he was still living in Alabama, was busy with um, mobilizing and, and with organizing the bus boycotts that were happening in those days. And one night when he came home late at night, after a long day of his organizing work that he had been doing, he went and laid in bed and the phone rang in his home. And he picked it up and on the other line was an anonymous voice with a death threat that threatened to burn his house down, that threatened to kill him, and threatened to kill his wife and his children if he did not stop his work for racial reconciliation and justice in America. Now, normally, Dr. King, who had experienced many of these threats before, could shake it off. But this night, he was too tired. His strength was gone, and he couldn't shake it. He couldn't shake the fear and the anxiety that was overwhelming him. And so he got out of bed, went to the kitchen, put on a pot of coffee, and put his head in his hands and cried out to God in his Alabama kitchen. And there in the middle of the night, the voice of Jesus came to Dr. King. And he said this to him, you're never alone, Martin. You're never alone. And that night, 
the voice of Jesus outweighed the voice of an anonymous death threat. And he continued his ministry. Now the good news is you don't have to be Augustine, Francis, or Dr. King to hear the voice of Jesus. This is for everybody. And that's why I love our passage that we're reading from. Because it teaches us how to engage with God. Pastors and authors and um, theologians have said that the passage for the road to Emmaus beautifully shows us and brilliantly shows us the different ways that God communicates with us. In fact, we talked about this passage all last year during our Lenten season for what does it mean for God to join us on the journey of life. We didn't even talk about this aspect of it last year if, you're new, if you've been following us for, for a year or so at Community of Hope. This passage teaches us how does God speak to people? I want to hone in on one verse in particular. Verse 32. It says this here. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. If you're taking notes in your phone and your Bible or journal or whatever, underline this phrase, our hearts were burning within us. Now what they're talking about here is not heartburn, just to be clear. They did not eat pizza with spicy meat on it the night before. They did not do that. This is something different. This is what it feels like when God speaks to you. Your heart burns within you. What does that even mean? Well, this is a a spiritual phrase that these two made famous for how to articulate what does it feel like when God talks to you. Heart burns within you. Um, Oftentimes, God's presence in Scripture and the presence of God's Spirit is associated with fire in the Bible. So, of course, they said, my heart is burning within me. But it's not a fire that's like, ouch, it's hot, ouch, it burns. It's not like that. It's not that kind of a fire. It's a different kind of a fire. This is something that people have talked about all through the centuries. It's happened even beyond the pages of scripture, but happened and keeps happening. Like, for instance, the founder of our tradition that our church is a part of was a man named John Wesley. And in 1738, he wrote this in his journal when he gave his life to Jesus Christ. 1700 years after this story, he wrote this. The night he became a Christ follower, he said this here. I felt my heart strangely warmed. There it is. His heart was burning. I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, in Christ alone for salvation. This doesn't even happen to John Wesley in 1738. This happens in this room and online all the time. I know because people come and tell me. I have tough, blue-collar, manly men who haven't felt an emotion in 25 years. And they come to our church, and they come to me after and go, I don't know what's wrong with me. But like every time I get in here and the music starts playing and I sing a little bit, I get all emotional. And I don't know what's happening to me. Bro, your heart's burning within you. It's because God has drawn close to you. What does having a heart burning feel like? It feels like experiencing love that goes beyond just knowledge. It feels like having peace that surpasses understanding. It feels like experiencing joy that you can't explain. Your heart burns 
within you. That's what it feels like. I remember the first time I felt my heart burn. I was in fifth grade, and many of you have been coming around for a while. You've heard me tell the story of how I came to faith. My family started going to a Bible-believing, Jesus-loving church and awakened faith in my entire family. And um, so I won't bore you with that story again, but I will tell you the story of when I felt God make my heart burn the very first time. I was in fifth grade, and there was a college student who was volunteering in our children's ministry named Chris Westrate. So let me pause here, public service announcement. Young men in the room, we need you in our children's ministry, and we need you on Wednesday nights, Wednesday nights in our student ministry, because you can powerfully speak it to the life of somebody that will change them in ways you have no idea. We need you. A college kid was volunteering in my church and changed my life forever. And God could do that through you too as well. Public service announcement over. I digress. So Chris Westrate was volunteering in my children's ministry and I could feel God on him. I didn't know yet what it was like for, to feel God for me. Like there's something happening there and I want what you have. And I asked him, how do I grow my, my relationship with Jesus and my faith? How, where, how do I start reading the Bible? So if you want to start reading the Bible, he told me, start reading in Matthew chapter 5. Don't start in chapter 1. It's kind of like a boring genealogy. Don't do that. Start in chapter 5. It's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous message ever. And I said, okay. And so I grabbed my Bible, and this is my Bible that I was reading um, when I was in fifth grade. Now, if this doesn't tell you that I'm from the mid-90s, nothing will, okay? (laughs) This looks like it's from straight out of Saved by the Bell. (laughs) And so I opened this book to Matthew 5, because I was new to the Bible, I had to look in the table of contents to find where Matthew was, and I had to figure out chapters and verses, and that's where everybody starts, and open up to Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, and I started reading. Here's a picture of the page where it all began for me, and I began reading through the Sermon on the Mount, verses 3 and 4 and 5, and I got to verse 8, my life changed. And verse 8 said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And my heart burned within me. And I felt for me what I felt on other people. That was an important message for a fifth grader going into middle school. Try to keep your heart pure, kid. (laughs) I needed that. And for many other ways, uh, it's just for me and God. God was speaking to me through this book. Can I tell you a cool God thing that happened this week? I'm going to anyway, but... So we were in staff prayer, and we meet one of the Kids of Hope, Kids of Hope rooms, and I was already thinking about the story, and the first time my heart burned by reading Matthew 5.8. And Miss Jenny, um, who's the leader of our children's ministry, just does an incredible job. We love Jenny and her whole team, um, had picked the verse for January for Kids of Hope at our church. You know what the verse for Kids of Hope was? It was Matthew 5.8. And so I was in staff prayer time as I'm thinking about the message. I look up and I look on the wall and I see this drawn in chalk, fresh for January. Another than Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. You know, another way that God will speak to you is not just through um, a burning heart, but sometimes through situations and circumstances. Coincidences is God winking at you, everybody. Isn't that cool? Now, this is all how God how it feels when God draws near and how it feels when God speaks to you, when God communicates with you. That's how it feels. But all this points to the most important principle that we see in the back half of verse 32 that I really want you to learn today. And let's go back to 32. So their hearts were burning within them 
while he talked with them, so he's speaking to them. That's why their hearts were burning, and he was opening the scriptures to us. Now, what they don't mean was Jesus opened a Bible. That's not what they mean. Something deeper. He's referencing, or they're referencing verse 27. Let's rewind. At at Jesus, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, so Jesus was starting with the Old Testament. He explained to them what was said in all of scriptures concerning himself. This is like the best Bible study ever. Jesus explaining Jesus. The Bible, if you're new to it, is one unified story that all points towards Jesus. And the Lord showed us that here. And so again, he's not opening a book for them. He's doing something deeper. It references this here later on in the chapter outside of our story, but same chapter, verse 45. Then he opened their minds. So it's not opening a book. He's opening their minds to communicate with them so they could understand the scriptures. Here's what you have to learn. If you want to learn how to have God speak to you or learn to recognize it when God is speaking to you, learning to hear God's voice first starts with the Bible, everybody. Learning to recognize and learning to hear God begins with the Bible. Can we go ahead and put that up, guys? Thank you. Learning to hear God's voice begins always with the Bible. What Now, if you don't have a Bible, we love to give them away. We have lots of free Bibles. Let us give one to you for free. If you're somebody who does everything on your phone, go download the Bible app from YouVersion. It's free. It's one of the best apps and on every platform. Go check it out. Now, what we don't mean by this is learning to hear God's voice starts with the Bible. So here, you open it, God's speaking to you, and then you close it, and God's done speaking to you. You open it, he's speaking to you, you close it, God's done, God's done speaking to you. We don't mean that. We actually believe that in a transcendent way, God actually speaks still today to people. So we don't mean it's in like some wooden way. What we also don't mean is, well, if you dirty sinners would just read your Bible more, you'd hear from God more. Don't mean that either. We're not here to just check boxes and do dead religious activity. We're not into that either. We genuinely mean that the best way to tune your ear to the voice of God in prayer is to learn how to prayerfully engage this book. Not just to read it, but to learn to pray it. Not just to informationally study it, but to approach it emotionally, spiritually, and even with your imagination. Easier said than done. Why is that? Well, George Barna says that, and this is true, that the Bible is the best-selling, least read book in America. <laughs> right? How many of us have so many Bibles with dust on them that serve as coasters for things? You know, this is real. Because nobody is really taught how to engage the Bible this way. You can read the Bible and it never move you. I remember being a a freshman at Florida State University and I naively signed up for a Bible class while I was there. I'm going to take intro to the New Testament. I want to learn about the Bible. And I did it at a, a secular university, which is fine. Apparently when I was a freshman, it sounded like Mickey Mouse. I don't know. Um. And when I signed up for this class, the man who was teaching Introduction to the New Testament at Florida State um, actually hated the Bible. And I don't mean this with any judgment for him. He, but clearly, he hated the Bible, um, did not self-identify as a Christian, and resented teaching the New Testament. Was not happy doing it. 
and disparagingly spoke of it every single class. And I didn't judge him. I pitied him. I felt bad for him. Like, how miserable of an existence must it be for your career to study a book that you resent? That's awful. That's the equivalent of, like, me becoming a sports journalist and having to cover the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, <laughs> yuck, right? Yuck. Go Bucks. Mm. Anyway, um, I felt bad for him. You can read this book and never be moved by it. But if you learn how to not just read it informationally, but to engage with it prayerfully, you will experience, and listen very carefully, you will experience hearing the voice of God in the written word of God. It's the primary way which God speaks. One of our favorite leaders and teachers on prayer is a man named Pete Gray, who's no exaggeration, an international global leader in the worldwide prayer movement. And if anybody is an expert on this outside of Jesus, it's probably people like Pete. And Pete says this, when it comes to hearing God, the Bible is actually the primary way in which he's going to speak to you. God will speak in many different ways. This is the best way, the primary way, if you want to learn how to hear his voice. So how in the world do you do this? If you want to hear God's voice to make your heart burn. How do you engage with hearing God in the Bible? Let me teach you a method here in our closing minutes. Um, In our church, we usually teach a method of reading the Bible called soap journaling, which is great and wonderful. It also teaches you how to hear God's voice in God's word. I do it almost every single day. It's super helpful. We're going to keep teaching people to do it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm going to teach you an additional method that's different today that anybody can do, whether you're new to the Bible, never read it before, or you've been reading it for 40 years. I want to show you a different method that might help you. It's an ancient method of scripture reading called Lexio Divina. Everyone say that with me. Lexio Divina is an ancient word that just means divine reading. It means how to pray the Bible. And it's easy. Here's what you do. First, you want to find a place, a place where you can be quiet and comfortable for about 10 to 15 minutes. This doesn't have to take super long. You could take longer if you want. A quiet and comfortable place. You do not want to do this on your morning commute. You do not want to do this in traffic. You want to be sitting down and focused on this. Here's my place. This is in my guest room slash office at my house. And this is my chair. This is a beautiful, unbelievably comfortable leather chair that my mom and dad had for 18 years. And when they remodeled their house, it came to live with me. And um, so this is my chair that I sit in when I spend time with God. So you want to find a place where you can be quiet and focused for about 10, 15 minutes. Then you want to pick a passage. Don't pick a whole chapter of scripture. That's too much for this practice. You want to pick a short passage. Five to ten verses and no more. That's it. Let me suggest one for us. If I were you, and you're going to try this this week, I would do Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. It's only six verses long. It's the story of how Jesus calmed the storm, which is perfect for this morning. So here's how you practice Lexio Divina. Christians have been doing this since the year 300. And they keep doing it since the year 300, because this is how Christians through the generations have heard the voice of God while learning to engage with him in the word of God. Step one, you just read. Read slowly. Read carefully. 
Read the passage one time through and just breathe and let it sit and chew on it. Then meditate and not, um, not that meditate. Meditate means to think about it. So what you want to do, no, just leave it here first, guys. Thank you. You want to read through the passage once slowly and read and then read it again. Each step, you're going to reread the passage. Reread it again slowly. And when you're meditating upon it, think about a word or a phrase or a theme that's jumping out to you from the passage. Next, then you go to pray. And that's where you read the passage again slowly for a third time. And once you're done reading it, pray some short prayers related to that word or phrase or theme that was jumping out to you. And you take a deep breath. And then the last step is called contemplate. And this is where you read the passage one more time for a fourth time. Slowly read those five or so verses. Ever so slowly. And then think about prayerfully, how might God be calling you to take that passage into your coming day or into the coming week? And what God might be speaking to you. It's that simple. It's worked for almost 2,000 years. So here's the call on each and every one of us and anybody with us online. This week, will you find a place where you can sit, be quiet and focused? Will you take time to open this book? Will you open your heart as you read this book so that Jesus can open your mind while you read it? And as you sit there with an open book and an open heart, God just might speak to you this week. Will you let him? Let's pray. So speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Lord, I pray that you would cause many hearts to burn for you, even now. And that just as you awakened my heart back in 1995, would you do it here and now for hearts in this room? Would you awaken people to be hungry for your voice, hungry for your presence, hungry for love and joy and peace? And hungry to hear your voice and your word. Thank you that you're the God who still speaks today and walks along with us on the road. In your name we pray and everybody said, amen. So I want to encourage you this week. Find time to sit with God. Find time to open his word. Make space for him. And he just might end up speaking to you and changing everything. In 2024, if you want to hear more of God's voice in your life and you want some of this experience, we're talking about a heart that's strangely warmed, a heart that burns because God has drawn close. We're not gonna do anything weird or do anything to embarrass anybody, but sometimes it helps to pray with a posture. Sometimes we invite people to pray with their hands out like this in a posture of surrender. Sometimes we do different things. I want you to put your hand over your heart like this. And we're talking about hearts that are strangely warmed, hearts that burn with God's presence. We're praying for this. 
Would you pray with me? So speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Just as you spoke with the two on the road to Emmaus, you opened the scriptures to them so that their hearts burned within them. Would you do this with us too? On the road of life here where we live in 2024, open the scriptures to us and cause our hearts to burn within too. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Friends, go in God's peace. We'll see you next week.